0: CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for Your Money and Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this edition of Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash, Certified Financial Professional and CPA at Donald W. Cash and Associates. Don, my friend, what's going on? How are you? Hey, Mark.
1: We continue with the quarantine, and now I know what it means in French
0: (laughs) that's right (laughs) that's right uh yeah that's it's definitely still going on so I don't know it's um we'll see man it's it's I feel like it's we're just trapped in some sort of a strange movie you know
1: yeah well it's uh you know it's something we've never experienced before but I think you know especially as the weather gets nicer uh you just feel like you want to get out there get some fresh air and it's almost worse with the
0: nicer weather because you do want to do things at least yeah. if it's rainy and dreary, you kind of you kind of can accept sitting inside, but then the mental side gets you know, <laughs> beat up more. so I don't know, it's tough. <laughs>
1: You're right. We have to weigh it out uh, for sure. I I don't uh, ever look forward to those uh, dark days of January and February with the sun setting at 430. Mm -hmm. And it's much nicer uh, now with uh, longer days and warmer weather and the flowers coming out. But it does just want to make you get outside, go to park, go to the beach, do something to stretch your legs and just to enjoy the springtime.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, well, we got a great show coming up today. We're going to get in that in just a second. Anything
1: else going on? Everything else going all right? Yeah, things are going good, and um, it's interesting. We talk about the you know the days and the uh, and feeling like you're stuck in a in a loop, right? You know the the one light hearted comparison I keep on hearing from people with what we're going through is uh, this movie Groundhog Day. Oh right? yeah, the, classic. Yeah, it's a great movie. I mean, it, it was, gosh, it's got it's got to be a 25-year-old movie now. But in the movie, Bill Murray is a weatherman, right? Do you yep. remember, mm-hmm. in oh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yep. And he's caught in this time loop and keeps waking up on February 2nd. To cover the Groundhog Day ceremony in Pennsylvania, and it's the same day over and over again. And, and you know, you mentioned you have seen it, right?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's very classic. Yeah, and he, you know, it's, you're not the first person to bring that up. When I do a lot of these shows, we've we've kind of touched on that from here and here and there. And I said, if I wake up every day and I hear "I've got you, babe" from Sonny <laughs> and Cher, I'm going to start getting worried because that's what he wakes
1: up to every morning when the alarm clock goes off. That's right, six o'clock, and, yep. and it's funny you look back at that movie and you see scenes that were you know twenty five years old, but the the uh, clock is not digital, right? So the number flips over like mm-hmm. the old clocks, and they don't have cell phones, and you know they're smoking in the in the restaurant. Right, so right. it's kind of funny when you see these scenes, and it wasn't all that long ago, twenty five years ago. No, but, I think
0: it's I think it was made in the early nineties.
1: I think that's right. Yeah, yeah I think ninety three, ninety four. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, yep. so there's some good life lessons in this you know, as we watch the movie now with new eyes, you know, his life starts getting better when he starts thinking less about himself and enjoys the day, learns new skills, you know, falls in love with one of his co-workers. And, and it got me thinking and looking into, you know, reading more about the comments that people made about it. And I read a great article on uh, the 10 lessons people have learned <laughs> from watching this movie. Okay. And, and some of the lessons are, are really pretty insightful. And, you know, some of them are things like small town people are full of big time wisdom, right? Mm, nice. Because in a small town. Right. Uh, never stop being a student of your spouse. You know, that one I love. I've been married a long time. Happiness can be found in the ordinary activities of life. That's something we really have to. Yes. You know, strive hard to learn nowadays. Right. And here's one that that, uh, pops up. Winter is just a season. Summer will come. There you go. So these are just to name a few. I mean, it's a great movie to rent. I guess you can rent it on uh, Netflix or stream it somewhere. I I hadn't seen it in many years, but you know, as I said, I think if you watch it now, you'll see it from a, a whole new perspective. And it's just a, you know, it's a great movie to, uh, to spend and yeah. you know hang out with a family for a you know, good movie night
0: no i agree with you uh and it's a classic movie there's and i know you like to learn little interesting things so i'll share two things with you and then we'll we'll move on but uh one uh it does not act even though it takes place in punksatawney pennsylvania or wherever that's at they didn't actually film it in the real city because they didn't think it had the right look and even the town citizens agreed that the place they picked for the location was, was more picturesque than their hometown. <laughs> ah. Do you <laughs> and know the, where it was? I, it was someplace else in Pennsylvania, I believe. Okay. But And the second bit is there's a hot debate, uh, there's a uh, nice internet debate out there about how long is he actually trapped in this day that goes on forever because of the things that he learns It would take a lot of time and, Eventually, before the director died, he shared that it was at least several decades. So it was closing in on three decades that he was stuck in the same day over and over <laughs> again. So if you think things are bad in quarantine, folks, it could be worse.
1: Yeah, that sounds like Shakespeare. Yeah, really. That's like from our last show. Right? Exactly. <laughs> hey, Mark, did you read that? Here's another interesting uh, bit of news. Okay. That the police in New York City broke up an illegal combination nightclub barbershop.
0: No, I didn't. Wow, (laughs) makes you think like prohibition, right? Now we're dealing like we've got prohibition hair salons. You know, crazy. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, it just shows that it goes to show what happens when people are told that you can't do something and they don't buy into it, right? People are just going to push back from all these, um, you know, stricter social distancing rules and. But speaking of, you mentioned prohibition, speaking of laws that people don't like, this happens to be the 100th anniversary of the 18th Amendment that banned the sale of alcohol. That was a prohibition amendment, right?
0: Yeah, the Roaring Twenties, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was in effect all through those Roaring Twenties, and it wasn't repealed until 1933, 13 years later. Wow. So I can recall being a kid, and my grandfather was born in 1902 he was a musician and he would tell me that all those years he would play in bands in New York city in those speakeasies and the police would come in and bust the party and arrest those attending or, or sometimes just join the party and and people just basically ignore the law. So uh, I don't have a lot of sympathy for the party goers in New York today getting drunk, but you know what? My wife and I are, close to soliciting an illegal haircut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So I've turned off the camera on all my Zoom meetings now.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, An Un- underground haircut. Instead of Fight Club, it's Haircut Club. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, let's jump in and have a conversation about some of our other stuff here, uh, as some financial stuff, Don. So, as unemployment goes, obviously, we have seen some amazingly staggering numbers. Uh, you know, from where we were at with just all-time unemployment lows. I mean, a lot of this stuff is completely staggering when you take a step back and look at it. The the market highs and the unemployment lows of February to just two months later and, you know, 18 million, 20 million, you know, the numbers that we're seeing. What's the Federal Reserve doing to stave off uh, some of the pain? I know we've seen some things. Break it down for us a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's no doubt the Congress, uh, the President, Treasury, the IRS, uh, governors and states, the Federal Reserve, they're all doing whatever they can to get us through the crisis. And the government is throwing the proverbial kitchen sink yeah. into staving off further economic harm. And the stock market, of course, has been on a roller coaster ride. The big drops in March and partial recovery in April. And it looks like more of the same for at least the, the near future. Of course, we need to be sensitive to to all those people who have fallen ill from the virus or. You know, even passed away. Correct. Uh, in addition, there's so many people whose health is affected by the effects on unemployment, not being able to get to therapy for substance abuse or physical therapy, occupational therapy, mm-hmm. yep. or uh, other treatments. Uh, you know, it's all being taken in consideration with the government action. But as it relates to your question of the, of the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve. Uh, they call it the Fed, of course, short term parlance, has two main roles called m- dual mandates. And, and one is to maintain employment, right? Mm-hmm. Stable employment. And the other is to control inflation and interest rates. So keep in mind that for the first 125 years of the United States, there was no Federal Reserve. It, you know, it didn't start until 1913. The There was a first bank of the United States that started in the 1790s, but that only lasted for 20 years. It was renewed for another 20, but there was no Federal Reserve Bank for over 80 years. Back then, J.P. Morgan and some other rich guys, they were called the lender of last resort to the government and other banks. You know, effectively, they were hmm. wow. the Federal Reserve. But you know, today the Federal Reserve, even though it's technically marked not part of the government, works very closely with the White House, the Treasury, and Congress to you know like communicate actions to keep the economy stable, not only here in the U.S. but all over the world. So right now, the Federal Reserve has taken a several steps. You know, one people hear about it's on the front page of the news of course it's lowering the the rate it loans to banks called the discount rate to a a quarter percent between zero and a quarter percent is the interest rate historically it's you know that's historic lows it's it's removed the stigma from banks from borrowing from the federal reserve which is something that it's always been kind of discouraged going to federal reserve as opposed from borrowing from each other they've reduced reserve requirements you know so this is to encourage banks to lend more money out to people mm-hmm. they even have taken steps now to lend money to private businesses there, people have heard about that you know to mostly large but also small companies as well you know with all this going on it's it's kind of like playing the, the whack-a-mole arcade <laughs> game with the crisis, it looks like.
0: Yeah, really. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it, we're, we all seem to be playing hot potato, right? Jumping from one foot to the next yeah. and passing it around. It seems like, you know, kind of doing, I don't know, these are CPR type moves, different defibrillator paddles, you know, type of deal just to get things, you know, working. It's like, you know, shock it, shock
1: to the system, you know? Yeah, that's a really good analogy. I mean, the, the Fed is trying to pump money, into the economy to uh, jumpstart the economic activity. Mm-hmm. It's much the same as the uh, the Treasury and the government's doing with twelve hundred dollars st- uh, stimulus checks and the IRA rules relaxed, uh, the uh, six hundred dollar per week additional unemployment checks and the reduction of regulations. And you know, some say all this addition to the money supply is kind of like pushing on a string, to use another analogy. Well, yeah. And so the big question, and I think a lot of people have gone back and forth
0: with this, and I've seen some different people say if you don't need the money, reinject it into the economy, you know, try to spend it on, you know, business or whatever, support small business, things of that nature. But if places
1: are shut down, like you said, it's like whack a mole. It's a conundrum. You know, exactly. It's like adding to the money supply is only part of the equation for economic health. You know, it might seem a Kind of geeky, but there's an economic formula that everyone should know. It was promoted by the late economist Milton Friedman and another economist uh, that was a uh, prominent in the '80s, Art Laffer. Mm-hmm. Not sure if you ever heard of yep, him. Yep. Uh, nice guy. I had, I had breakfast with him about a month or so ago. Oh wow! Uh, with, a, with a couple of guys uh, at, at a conference. Very nice guy, funny guy. But he worked closely with Ronald Reagan back in the um, early '80s, and Milton Friedman had this formula. And here's the geeky formula. It's M V equals PQ. I know how people love math. Okay, (laughs) right. M is the money supply. Right. V is the velocity of money, how quickly money gets spent. Okay. P is the price of goods and services, and q was the quantity of goods and services. So PQ is basically economic production, right? Mm-hmm. So the V, the velocity is a big issue today. So the velocity is, you know, the frequency and how often money changes hands in society. So I'll give you an example. What's your your favorite restaurant before the quarantine? And okay. how much is the typical bill for a meal for you and your wife? Okay. So I
0: don't know if I want to go with favorite or most frequented. I'll go with just most frequented and just okay. around a corner to the house. As a Mexican restaurant, I love Mexican food. And I would say the typical bill's 35
1: bucks. That is very economical. I, I think we, we probably well, it's just had me and that. my wife, so you know. Yeah, we probably had that in the eighties during the Reagan administration. Thirty-five dollar restaurant bills. Well, in New Jersey. and again,
0: that's a little Mexican restaurant. So now, if I go to our favorite restaurant, that's probably more like a hundred and fifty.
1: Okay, well, okay, that's that's more in line to what you're spending here with a a couple going out to dinner. But okay, let's just use well, an example of a hundred. All right, let's call it a hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay, so the money from the hundred dollar dinner bill, it's going to circulate through your local economy, even work its way through the national and world economy, right? So people will spend that money. So the waiter is going to spend money on rent and clothing and maybe cleaning a uniform and cleaning his house, uh, his entertainment, expenses, other home expenses, his food taxes and miscellaneous expenses and maybe paying tuition if he's still in school. Uh, The owner of the restaurant is going to pay employees, other payroll expenses, food costs and rent and utilities and other expenses of running the restaurant and with a profit, you know either he or she might expand or buy uh, uh, other businesses or buy a second home with the money and and that's basically a short description of the velocity of money, how it works through the economy okay you know, right now we're stuck in a period of very low velocity. And that's a big part of the problem. And the prime example of that is the, is the price of oil, right? Yeah. So that's a prominent headline. And usually I'll fill my gas tank in normal times once a week, but now it might be once every three or four weeks or even more. Right? And we've seen it: oil and gas prices have collapsed. Do you know how much oil, by the way, Mark, The world usually consumes every day. Oh, my lord. No, I mean, every day. I mean,
0: I know we the sometimes you'll see like billions of you know, how many barrels and millions of barrels and things of that nature. I don't know. I'll say, I'll say 50 million.
1: That's a good guess. Okay. It's very good. It's actually a hundred million barrels. Wow.
0: That's not gallons. No, yeah, barrels. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Think about that. You know, the thinking is. Once the economic activity picks up, there's going to be pent-up demand, you know, right. hence the, what they call the V-shaped recovery. And But here's the issue. Do you know what happens when both the M, the money supply, and the V, the velocity increases, we get inflation,
0: <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, right? So yeah. that's the issue long-term. So stay tuned.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, we'll definitely see how that shakes out. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. That's a good idea. And that's a great segue. It's a great place for a transition to say, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we have fun talking about movies and exercise and the economy and all these different things. So a lot of content here for you to consume. Make sure you go to donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. You can subscribe to the podcast that way, or you can simply search your money and your life on whatever podcasting app you choose like Apple, Google, Spotify, or the like. So let's go ahead and hit a cash connection. We haven't done one of these in a little bit because uh, we've just had so much to talk about. But if you'd like to submit your own question, you can go to, again, donaldcash.com. We've got Michael in Freehold, and he says, Don, I I heard, excuse me, that the Federal Reserve cut the interest rate to just about zero. I refinanced my mortgage a couple of years ago and have a 30-year mortgage at a fixed 4%. Should I look into refinancing yet again? There are charges associated with a new mortgage, of course, and I'm not sure if it's going to be worthwhile. What's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, Michael. And uh, you know, I'm getting this question quite frequently over the past month or so. First, as it relates to the Federal Reserve, okay, the Federal Reserve really does not directly affect the typical 15-year or 30-year mortgage rate these rates are more closely tied to the 10-year U.S. Treasury rate. So it's conceivable that the Federal Reserve could cut the short-term federal funds rate or the discount rate and we'll not see much or any changes in mortgage rates. It's really the 10-year Treasury rate moving up and down on how the bond market perceives future economic growth and uh, or a recession risk or inflation. That's the determining factor. So right now, both the short term and the long-term rates are at historic lows. The standard 30-year mortgage rate recently it has been kind of floating between three and three and a half percent. It's dipped sometimes below three percent a few times. The rate is partly based upon Uh, your credit worthiness and the points that you pay or don't pay or whether you lock in the rate or not. But um, the factors also to determine include how long do you intend to live in the home? That's a big consideration. And what is that upfront uh, refinance fee? And if you divide it over time, is it really worthwhile? So if you're going to sell the home soon, often it's not worthwhile to refi. Do you want to pay the balance off soon? Some people have relatively small mortgages and they want to pay them off sooner rather than later. That's another consideration. And also, do you have enough equity to refinance? So that's something that the bank is going to look at, the value of the home now with an assessment and how much the mortgage is uh, going to be that you're applying for. So keep in mind also that if, in Mike's case, if he has 25 years left, just assuming that he does on his mortgage, you, know, you get a quote for a 25 year mortgage to match the remaining term, not just another 30 year mortgage like you take out or you may have taken out originally. Then you'll get a true apples to apples comparison there. And people also look to refinance to take money out uh, of the equity of their hallmark to pay off debts. Mm-hmm, right. You know, I'd be. Careful not to use your home equity in that way. Take a closer look at your debts and try to see if you could figure out how you got into that position and really try to consolidate and eliminate those debts. You know, the bottom line that it it doesn't hurt to look into refinancing, I would suggest maybe going back to your current lender, asking for their current rates. I mean, they already have the loan value that you have the loan balance and you can shop around for some other comparisons too. often the lender that you have currently will meet a competitive quote just to try to keep your business.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, good, good information and a good question from Michael. So thanks so much for that. We'll throw up some links if we can hear some helpful links on the uh, podcast site for you as well. So thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it as always. And we're going to wrap things up this week. Is there anything else we need to cover Don Are we, how are we looking?
1: Yeah, it's one thing that that's popped up. Uh, I I just it's been top of mind recently. Sure. You know, most of us have, and I'm sure you have too, Mark. Noticed a tremendous increase in emails related to the virus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the majority of them they're legitimate. They're form letters written by attorneys explaining what our banks or other companies uh, that we deal with are doing to combat the virus and satisfy the our customer needs and. But I've also noticed is that there's an incredible number of fake virus emails. Yes. I mean, it's just they've proliferated. And most of us consider ourselves pretty savvy and sophisticated to you know to recognize these. Just be extra careful, I would say, and tell your elderly relatives and friends do not open any emails that even look remotely suspicious. You know, some telltale signs are, you know, the government or the CDC, right, or the Health and Human Services Division or IRS or Social Security will never email you directly. Uh, If the IRS wants to communicate or Social Security, they'll mail you a letter.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yep, exactly.
1: Right. So beware of any online request for personal information, like basic protocols. Check the email address or the link watch out for spelling right and grammatical mistakes that's a telltale sign of a fake email look for generic greetings and you know avoid any emails that that say you have to act now yeah. right yeah. to to do anything i mean that's just a a sign of something that's uh, that's fishy
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Good advice here on the program this week. And I'll go you one further. If you're on social media, beware of clicking on sites that say they have TP in stock. (laughs) (laughs) That might be one other one to double check as well. Uh,
1: I might fall for that one. Or a local haircut.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Watch out for those underground uh, haircut clubs. That's a tongue twister. Uh, That's some good stuff. All right, folks. Well, we hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Don, my friend, thank you for your time as always. And if you've got questions or concerns, as I always say, reach out to Don. Let him know at 800 664 1183. It's 800-664-1183. Or subscribe to your money and your life. And we'll see you next time. Don, take care. Stay safe, Mark. We'll see you folks. You stay safe and sane. And we'll see you next time here on the podcast.
1: Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash and Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.